RCC family, welcome back to RCC at home. My name's Natasha. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and the little bell to be notified when new videos are released here. We love that we get to worship online with you. The best way for you to stay connected here at RCC and in the know about what's going on is to fill out a red card at rccsunday.com. You can head over there or just click the link in the description box below. Right now, we're going to continue our series that we're in called Cancel culture. We can't wait to see you again right here next weekend. Hey, RCC family. Welcome to RCC at Home. My name is Sam. Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers who are listening in. Uh, I was thinking about Father's Day this week, and I was thinking, you know, you know, guys and dads, we, we sometimes get this, this bad rap. Like, like people say that, that guys, and especially fathers, don't notice things like, you know, haircuts or nails or, or outfits or, or whatever it might be. You don't necessarily always notice things. And, and, and I think that that's there because you look on like every father figure on any sitcom on TV and, and they literally notice nothing. They never notice anything. But, but I was thinking about that and, and really, we're actually very good at noticing things. I want to challenge that. I think we're very good at noticing things. We just, we just need to be made aware that we're supposed to notice it. For example, if you're in the market for a grill, you know what happens when you're in the market for a grill? You start eyeing up every single grill you can lay your eyes on. You analyze every detail. You see your neighbor's grill, and you're like, oh, can I just come over and take a look at your grill for a second? Or you notice the grill section at Menards, and literally there's hundreds of them, it seems, and you go to every last one, look at every detail. You research them online. You, you have your, your, your head go do whiplash because you see a grill in somebody's yard as you're driving by. You see them on TV shows, the grills are everywhere. When you're made aware that you're supposed to notice them, you notice everything. Or how about this? How about when you buy a car? And we just bought a car. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a van. Um, uh, and it was a 2015 Toyota Sienna, which, you know, was was hard, but, but guess what? It's a thing, right? They're, they're everywhere I look now. It feels like half the city has the same vehicle. It's easy to notice things when you're made aware of them. Just drive around Ripon now and look for Toyota Siennas. You'll see hundreds of them, it seems. It's just how it is because you're made aware. When you're made aware, you can't stop seeing it which is really what this whole series is all about. We're in this series right now called Cancel Culture. And cancel culture, defined by culture, is this. It's a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online or social media or in person. That's, that's the definition when you look it up for what culture says cancel culture is. But that's not what we're talking about. That's not the cancel culture we're talking about. We're talking about how God, not people, cancels out culture. Which brings me to this week. 
I have to admit something to you about this week. This was one of those weeks where, where for some reason, sermon writing did not go as planned. Literally, I got halfway through the week, and I'm trying to write the sermon, and I've literally got like one page of notes, and it's the introduction, like the easiest part to write. And that's, that's really odd for me. Normally, I have to cut back. Normally, there's no problem getting the length there. It's just not there at all. But, but I, I wasn't able to, to write it like I normally am. You see, I got to this point in the middle of the week, and I think there was a reason why I had to write it like that, or why it happened like that. Because this week, I had some conversations, so many conversations, like five amazing conversations, but two in particular that I really want to tell you about today. The first one. There's this guy who came to me a couple months ago, and he's like, hey, I believe in Jesus, I want to follow him, but I don't really know how to read the Bible. And so could you help me read the Bible? And so we met, we chatted about what the Bible was, and, and then I gave him some homework, which, just a spoiler alert, if you meet with me and you want to meet again, I'm going to give you some homework. So I give him some homework, right? Uh, and I give him homework to read the Gospel of Luke, and so he does. He reads the whole Gospel of Luke. He tells me that, so we're going to meet again. And there's this crazy thing. It's, it's wild. And here's the thing about the Bible. I should know this by now, but it still surprises me every time. It's actually talked about in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 55 and verse 11. It says, It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. And in other translations, it says it never returns void. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So honestly, it, it shouldn't have surprised me when I have this conversation and he just starts rattling off these things that, that struck this deep chord within him, that, that made him see just how different Jesus lived and just how much Jesus calls us to live differently. And honestly, I don't think I'd be overstating it when I say it, it rocked him. It rocked him in the best possible way, and it rocked me too. I literally, in that moment, got to see God at work in this guy's life. It was, it was awesome. Second conversation, uh, a day later. I didn't see this one coming either to be what it ended up being, but, but there's this guy I've been chatting with for months, and uh, on and off, he, he's just been dealing with some hard stuff in life like any of us do. And as he's telling me his story, it becomes clear to the both of us, we, we both realize this together, that in his life, he had put a number of things at the center, at, at the core of his life. Things that, when they fall apart, which they always do, it, it beat him up real bad. And, and this isn't unique to him. This is all of us. It's, it's so easy to put people, the the right home, money, or, or our image, or, or Instagrammable vacations, or, or cars, or, or whatever other toys at the center of our life, the, the thing we're counting on, we make them the thing we're counting on to make our life mean something. It, it's what the culture tells us to do. Unfortunately, it, it never quite lives up to, to what we expect it to be. So... I have these conversations. And like I said, I had no, like literally no progress had been made on my sermon. I had, I had nothing. And I kept looking at, at this, this, this blinking line on a page that's blank. And it was like, God, he, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, I wanted you to wait 
because this is it. This is what people need to hear. This is what you need to hear yourself and what you need to say because, because listen to the verse this week, the verses this week from Colossians. Listen to what they say. It says in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I'm going to say it one more time. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Here's my worry. I worry when I read that with you guys. I worry you'll hear those verses and think, I've heard that before. What's the big deal? I mean, follow Jesus. Believe and be saved. Say a prayer and go to heaven instead of hell. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. It all kind of fits in there. These, these one-liners we've heard a million times. So we might read this and literally just gloss over it. Let's not gloss over it. There's so much more here. And for the guys I chatted with, the, the things that they'd put their trust in, that, that they'd been told by culture they were supposed to live for, when those things didn't deliver on their promises, when, when they knew there had to be more, that's when something shook loose. That's when the truths from God, they started to rattle around in their chest, inside of them, and they resonated, they, they meant more. It was suddenly clear there's a world's way of doing things, a way we've just grown into because of the, the culture we live in. It's no fault of our own. It's just how we grew up. And to use our verses for today, that's the kingdom of darkness. And I know that that can kind of feel a little extra voodoo-y spiritual and, and kind of make you uncomfortable. And there's that element to it. But, but I need you to see this as practically and plainly as possible. Because practically speaking, the kingdom of darkness is just that. It's dark. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't put all your eggs into one basket, right? Don't put all of your eggs into one basket. I was thinking about that phrase this week. It came to mind. And it's an interesting image, right? I mean, you got this basket, and this basket is your life, right? You're all your eggs in one basket. That's the life we're talking about. And all of us, we want to have a meaningful and significant life with success. I mean, this is the basket of our life, and, and that's what we'd love to label it. A meaningful, significant, and successful life. There it is, right? That's it. So, so we take this, this basket, and then, and then we take some things, right? Some things that are eggs in a basket, and we say we, we want to fill it up with things that are going to make it meaningful and significant, and purposeful. So, so we say, hey, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to get a good job. That job is going to be great. So I'm going to, you know, put that in the basket. And then I'm going to, you know, have some good relationships. I'm going to settle down. Maybe I'll get married. Maybe I'll have good friends, work co-workers, and enjoy that time. And so I've got these good relationships. There it is. I'm going to put that in, in the basket. That, that's a meaningful, purposeful life. And then, and then in addition to that, I'm going to, I'm going to go on some adventures. I'm going to go on crazy vacations and have those awesome experiences. I'm going to put that in the basket. That's going to make my life meaningful and awesome and great. And, 
And then I'm gonna take another thing. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get an education because that's important sometimes. So you maybe go get a little education and make that yourself qualify for something. And, and so you got that, you got that meaningful, successful life, whatever it might be. And then in addition to that, you, you add something more, you, you add money or whatever else it might be. You add that one last thing, like, hey, if I have enough money, I'll be okay. That'll be my safeguard. We're good. We got, we got some good eggs in there. And so that, that's our life, right? It's meaningful, it's successful, it's purposeful, it's significant, awesome, wonderful. Except life isn't that simple. Life still happens. Life is still a thing. I, uh, I have these bricks uh, at home. Uh, when we first moved into our house, they were redoing the street and we had this little walkway that was made of bricks like these. They are the Metropolitan Block. Pretty interesting, right? So, so we've got these bricks. I thought they were so cool, but they had to take these bricks out and either we were gonna redo them or they were gonna pave it for us and so we let them pave it for us. And then I thought, you know what? These bricks are awesome. I'm gonna hold on to these bricks. It's awesome, I love, I love them. And so you know what's happened? I've moved these bricks like 10 times. No exaggeration, they, they just keep on being there, right? So I've moved these and they're like these heavy bricks and, and they kind of, for me, represent life, right? Like you carry around a bunch of heavy stuff you didn't anticipate carrying around. And so life happens and you gotta carry around some bricks sometimes. Stuff happens in life. And so we take this brick and we, we set it ever so gently on our eggs. And we think, you know, these eggs, these important things that are gonna give us significance and meaning and purpose, they're, they're not, they're enough of them, like they're strong, they're gonna hold up that, that really nice pressure that life puts on us. But over time, there's maybe the normal pressures of life, and then every once in a while something happens. Maybe there's a health issue. Maybe there's a job that doesn't work out like you wanted it to. Maybe there's a friendship and a relationship that just, you know, just adds a little extra pressure. And it cracks. They crack. And all the hope that we had gets squeezed out right? Gets squeezed out. Do you know what life without hope looks like? Darkness. It looks like a kingdom of darkness. When the eggs we put in our basket crack, we start losing hope. And it's not that the eggs we use are necessarily bad eggs. A good job is great. Relationships and marriage and friendship, they can be amazing. Fun trips and money, they are part of a great life. It's just, by themselves, they crack. They crack under the pressure of life. We want these eggs in our basket to give us the life we always dreamed of, but, but they're just not all they're cracked up to be. Pun intended. <laughs> they're just not all they're cracked up to be. Here's the problem. For a whole lot of the world, and maybe without even realizing it, for some of us here, for some of you listening today, we believe because culture tells us so that these are the only options for having a successful, meaningful life of significance. And they were. Until 
He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You see, there, there really are two kingdoms. There really are two kingdoms. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before, the, the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Uh, it's, it's actually straight out of scripture. It's literally Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray in Luke 11. Do you, do you remember the, the first few lines? Most of us have, have learned it from like the old King James Version. It, it says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is the point we just can't miss. When Jesus came to earth, he came to create a, a new kingdom, a kingdom unlike any other kingdom on this planet. He brought a kingdom that lives here in your heart, a kingdom that connects people through God's church, a kingdom that, that spreads because, because literally it transforms people and they just can't keep it to themselves. A kingdom that doesn't end with this life, but that goes on into eternity with God. It was a kingdom that Jesus started not through war or, or through might or through force, but through love and service and compassion and forgiveness and, and a self-sacrifice that would cover the cost for every person's sins who is willing to accept the gift. In a world that wants to point its cultural finger at you, to cancel you and, and tell you you're never going to be good enough, Jesus says, Maybe you won't be good enough for the kingdom of darkness, but I've made you good enough for the kingdom of God. You don't have to earn it because I've made it so. Our Father, Father's Day, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. More, more than a prayer to memorize, it's a prayer that reminds us of which kingdom we belong to. And not just that, it's a reminder of our role in that kingdom. And this is just exactly it. This is just exactly it. Remember when I said, those, those eggs that cracked under the pressure of life, they're not bad eggs. They just were never supposed to carry the weight of the pressure of giving our life meaning. The job or the relationship was never supposed to give us our purpose. It, it was always meant to be the outlet that God works through using us. And Paul, he says it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He says, he says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So the way you treat your family that's an opportunity to show God's kingdom and his love. The way you interact with your coworkers, you might be the light, the only light in their day, someone who, who doesn't actually ruin their day, but actually makes it just a little bit better. The way you play with your kids or love your wife or treat your dad, it is Father's Day after all, these are opportunities for purpose and significance and meaning, not things to dread. The, the thing, the, the easily cracked egg, it's not going to hold your life up. But if you let God into it and let God work through it, suddenly it's an opportunity to have God's kingdom show through you. Like the verse says, rescued, transferred, purchased, forgiven from the kingdom of darkness to God's kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus. 
And when we talk about the kind of kingdom that Jesus creates, the kind of life that Jesus has for us, the way of, of following Jesus, what life looks like when, when we let him lead, this is what he says. This is how he describes it. It's in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Rest for your souls. I think we could all use a little soul rest these days, couldn't we? What I want you to hear this today, what I want you to hear today is this. There is a different way. The thing in your life that we often rely on for purpose and value and significance, those things, they weren't designed to hold the weight of this life. Only God can do that. And those things, those things that fill our lives like youth sports and the gym and our family time and our work, let's set those things free too. They're not required to make our life meaningful. They're, they're not supposed to carry us. They're opportunities for God to work through us. I told you I had a couple of conversations this week. The first one, uh, the first conversation I had about reading the Bible, he's on to reading more of the Bible, and I'm sure that those will be just as transformative, those verses and those, those chapters. Second conversation, well, he decided it was time to follow Jesus, and he's planning to get baptized on August 1st. The stories that they're just getting started but they see their lives completely differently now. And like I started with, sometimes we just need a little help noticing things. Sometimes it just has to be pointed out. But once you open yourself up to seeing this life through Jesus, it will never look the same again. We don't have to live by culture's impossible standards and changing rules. We get to be set free, rescued, transferred, purchased, forgiven, and then every part of our life gets to be infused with God's ways and God's love. I don't know, to keep the analogy, maybe it's like God hard boils our eggs and they can hold a bunch up. Last week, uh, Mike, he said something that I, I had to write down while he was saying in the sermon. He said, as a church, as RCC, as our community that follows Jesus, we can change the culture in this community. The culture doesn't have to change us. We can change it. Jesus' culture can bleed out to this community through us. It can bleed out to Ripon. It can bleed out to Oshkosh and Rosendale and Brandon and Green Lake and Berlin and Marquesan and, and, and Princeton, all these places that we're from. It can bleed out to those places. And this is how it works. When we follow Jesus, we begin to represent Jesus. So let's represent Jesus well on every street, and in every family, and in every classroom, and in every business. Let's live lives of significance and meaning and purpose, not because we have all the right things or friends or whatever, not because we're perfect, because we're not, but because we invite God into every one of those things with us. And let's know that it doesn't stop here. Let's know that when we accept this gift of forgiveness and adoption into God's family and kingdom, it lasts into eternity. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here in Ripon, here in every community that we represent. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Feed us with, with the food that we need and also your words and in your direction. Feed us in that way too. Forgive us our sins and our trespasses, the things that we've done against you and against others. Forgive us like we forgive others. Help us to forgive others, to let go of those grudges. And lead us on to temptation. Deliver us from evil. Keep us from it and give us ways out of it. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The last thing I want to say to you is this. Jesus gives us this powerful symbol for anyone who desires to have him lead their life. It's a symbol of, of dying to ourselves and being made alive with him as our leader. It's called baptism. That's something you feel like you need to do, a step you feel like you need to take. Let's talk. Send me an email. Sam Prowitz at RippinChurch.com. Let's talk about it. It's a simple and pure act between you and God to show him your intentions to live for him. Happy Father's Day. Have a fantastic week. My favorite Sundays at RCC are the ones when I'm not teaching. That's because I love getting the opportunity to listen to the other pastors teach, and I especially love singing with our fantastic worship teams. Today, we conclude this service with a worship offering. Giving here at RCC is worship of God because God instructs us to give in Scripture. This is what he says in the Bible. It's in the book of Malachi. It's chapter 3, verse 10. He says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. Here's how Janet and I have done that. First, we simply figure out how much we make each week. Then, we move the decimal over one spot to the left, and that's 10%. We went to the Rebel Give link at rccsunday.com and clicked on the reoccurring gift option, and voila! We tithe to God at RCC every week from our income. We do that online now, but we began tithing almost 30 years ago after we were taught about it at another great church that we were attending. It's Calvary Bible Church. That was a big step of faith to begin back then. It really was. But it's still a big step of faith for me today. But I believe God has and continues to bless us tremendously, just as he promises he was, this, just as he promises he will in the book of Malachi. So if you're ready for that, you can do that too each week with a reoccurring gift. Or you can choose to give a one-time gift using that same link. I know that obeying God in this way is difficult. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. Don't ever feel pressured to take any steps here at RCC that you're not ready for yet. I'm just happy that you chose to be here and that you're growing in your faith. Have a terrific week.